What's up and welcome back to Kind of Funny Scream in Review. That's right. We are ranking and reviewing every Scream movie. As always, I'm Tim Geddes, joined by It's Christmas in September, Joey Noel. Casts on these movies are just bonkers. Every time I think I'm like, oh my gosh, I've <clears throat> hit the pinnacle for like who they could be a surprise, who could be surprise cast in this movie. I just keep getting surprised. That's like, once again, a quarter of my notes this time. <laughs> and of course, we have the producer slash seducer, Nick Scarpino. Joey, movies go in like in, in, in phases, right? I mean, you've got classic <laughs> Hollywood cinema, right? You've got, of course, the blockbusters of the 80s. Then you've got the grunge of the 90s. And then we enter into the era of Hayden Panettiere, okay? <laughs> very defined era. Very defined era from like 2003 to 2005-ish area. And of course, joining us for Scream Interview, we have James and Elise Willems. I'm so glad that Nick went straight to Hayden, MVP of Scream 4. <laughs> Love this woman. We miss you, Hayden. <laughs> we miss you, Hayden. <laughs> <laughs> this is Kind of Funny's interview where each and every week we get together and rank and review two different movie franchises. Right now, we are doing Scream, but next week, we're going to hit you with a double dose of Venom. Is anyone excited about that? We'll have to wait and see, but we're doing a rewatch of Venom 1 uh, early in the week, and and then at the end of the week, we will be doing an updated review for Venom. Let there be carnage. Can't wait for that. Uh, you can get the show on YouTube.com slash kind of funny or roosterteeth.com. If you want to get it as a podcast, just search your favorite podcast service for kind of funny in review. And we'll be right there for you. Uh, you can get the show ad free. And you can watch live as it's being recorded by going to patreon.com slash kind of funny, just like our Patreon producers, Molecule and the kind of funny Destiny 2 PC clan have done. Uh, today we're brought to you by HelloFresh and MeUndies, but I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's get right into it. Scream 4, often stylized as what, James? Scriforum. Scriforum, baby. S-C-R-E-4-M. <laughs> you gotta love it. This one had a runtime of an hour and 51 minutes. It was released on April 15th, 2011. Once again, directed by Wes Craven. Scream 4 was the final film to be directed by Craven before his death in 2015. Uh, very sad stuff. Once again, Kevin Williamson returned uh, to be the writer on this one. So that's pretty fun as well. The music was done by James's boy, Marco Beltrami. So, how'd you feel about the music in this one? Didn't notice it really at all. <laughs> you gotta love it. Like a good uh, Beltrami score. <laughs> <laughs> this one had a budget of $40 million, which is the same as Scream 3, which is once again more than one and two combined. Uh, it had a box office of $97.2 million, which was considered a pretty big letdown for them at the time. Uh, some fun stats I got for you here. These, I think, are really cool. Uh, despite being the most recognizable face of the Scream franchise, this is the only installment where Ghostface was a, on the the poster otherwise the poster yeah. was always just like you know a bunch of faces like fast and furious style it looks like mm -hmm. but no this one very prominent ghost face um and this installment brings the total number of killers throughout the franchise to seven and including maureen prescott's death the total body count for all all the movies so far is 43 Ooh. 43 deaths 43 wow. deaths uh, and this one easily passes the Bechtel test because uh, the entire cast is women, essentially. Um, normally, I go around the table and I ask you guys what you think and I end with me. I want to start this one Ooh, because I, I fucking it. love Scream 4. <gasps> wow. This movie wow, wow. is Bold. incredible. And Bold. I think that it accomplishes 
exactly what the first movie accomplished for reboots. Like they they understood the assignment and they fucking nailed it with this one. I think that this movie was similar to the first one, so ahead of its time. I think it's hard for us to watch it now and just be like, oh, it's about influencers and stuff. This was made in 2011. That predates influencers. That culture didn't exist then. This idea of doing anything for fame, that was more just based on like, what Wes Craven understood the future might look like in the same way that Scream 1 was kind of like parodying all this stuff and understanding like the, the medium and horror films as a whole. This nailed what Scream 1 did for revitalizing slashers and like breaking down the idea of what a slasher movie is. This does that for reboots as well as influencer culture and how the fuck they did that with this stacked ass cast. I don't know, man. They pulled this off. How the hell scream four is as good as it is. I don't know, but I'm putting this at number one. I'm fucking wow. spoiling it. Whoa. I'm spoiling it. I wow. love this shit. Every <laughs> twist, every turn, every time a, a new member of the, uh, of the cast would pop up, I'm like, what the hell? He's here? She's here? Like, it was great. Sinead Grimes from Degrassi, shout out to you in the beginning, getting killed right off the top. The oh entire God, beginning yeah. scene. I've been a sucker for these beginning scenes in every single Scream movie. And, I, you know, I was like, all right, Scream 3, not your best, not your best. Mm -hmm. This one, they started off and they just hit strong and then they hit again and then they just kept they fucking hitting. Mm -hmm. The movie within a movie within a movie within a movie. Fuck yeah. Let's go. Joey Noel, what did you think? <laughs> Man, the, so... I, this movie's really, really fun. I don't know what I was expecting. This is the one movie I, that I don't think I had seen any bits and pieces of because it came out so much later, I think, that it had kind of fallen off my radar. Um, but the I just feel like they nailed the cast. Like, they're so good at casting these movies. And I feel like the casting, especially for this one, with, like, the next generation of, like, stars. Like, that opening movie within a movie thing that you were talking about is so interesting because they have – they touch on so many different, like, pockets of – entertainment in that of like you have pretty little liars which was like about to be really huge then you have the girl from degrassi i don't remember what her name is in the show um, then you have oh darcy that's what it is then you have baby Kristen bell and then julie taylor from friday night lights and it's just like how did you know like you managed to rope in so many different yeah, groups of we got rogue no let's talk about rogue okay. no i mean oh, first off no let's talk about anna pack one and and, oh, right, and just right. the sheer amount of like disrespect that you're paying paying nashville right now with hayden pinjikari coming on this i haven't even gotten there yet i'm just talking about the you opening opening. You haven't gotten there. Opening I'm, I'm sorry you start and you finish with hayden pinjikari okay she is the alpha i do and the really omega. love her short okay. hair in this right. she rock <laughs> i think she's it's got really it again. Funny. i think she's back to the oh, short really? hair joey is she back i'll check it i'll check oh, it I'll, sorry joe go on i'll check that thank you back to you um, they just like understood, I think, who the like reboot audience would have been or like either that or they just forecasted that like all of these properties would have been really big at the time because um, I lose track of timing and stuff like that. But like it's so good. Then you have uh, the Culkin brother who I think Sorry. is so fun is like the evolved Randy character. Allison Brie shows like this. Allison Brie is just in this movie. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> It's Anthony just like, Anderson, the the, yeah. the the part that takes me out of the movie most is the Adam Brody Anthony Anderson scenes. You know, where I, they're gonna spin that off to a cop show. Or yeah, I'm like, I'd rather <laughs> just watch these two in this car for two and a half hours. Yeah, but I think they do a really good job of like doubling down on like reboot reboots in general and what that means and how that affects the original franchises and i think it's a really really fun movie i don't know that it eclipses one for me but maybe as we talk about it i'll be i'll make a decision 
I guess I have Elise, to make a decision either way. Elise Willems, what'd you think? As of June 2020, at least, Hayden was back with the short Ooh, do. Yeah. She knew it suited her. She she said, this is the way to go. I don't even know where to start here. Uh, maybe in 2011, when Elise and her gals back in the T-Dot go to see Scream 4, and everyone in that movie, as Tim said, or everyone in that theater knew the assignment. We all knew we were going to see a fun movie. We were going to shout at that screen the whole time. And it was one of my favorite theater experiences because we were everybody was just sta- jumping up, shouting, "Gather, girl!" <laughs> you know, you you know, you stupid or something. Like it was great. It was wonderful. I had such a blast. Uh, I will say the tagline for this movie is uh, "New decade, new rules." It is a new decade. Are there new rules? I don't know if it necessarily delivers on that. I do still think it is going back to. Some of these horror formulas, you know, I like what it does with the final girl where it's it's she wants to be the final girl because she has this obsession with fame. You hit the nail on the head, Tim, that this the the obsession with celebrity in this, the fixation on live streaming, too, which I mean, it's so cheesy in the movie because he's just he's always got his like if, if you if you watch that live stream, you would throw up. No, he's constantly looking, and it just says live, and he's got Google Glass or whatever he's got on. But the idea of always like being Fox. live, and the the people's obsession with this voyeurism, this new media voyeurism, like Tammy, you got it. Like that's it. It, it predates where we're at now. Um, Joey talked about the cast. It's it's unreal. The one thing I would say is I do feel like it's a very white cast. Like mm-hmm. it's in terms of like scream being a like I mean the you know the opening introduction is amazing but it's like six white women and I'm sure that's part of the joke too of like these you know they're all easy bait but uh, you know I hope that scream five maybe like is like okay come on guys uh, and uh, yeah Hayden Hayden is MVP I can't stress that enough we'll I will talk about her more bustiers and leather jackets. Let's make all you that need. That's all you need. Fashion. Uh, I, I I feel like I have, so, I have so much I want to say. I I will say the one thing that I think maybe prevents this from being the number one scream for me is it lacks the personality of the era, and the the two 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 thousand tens the 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 post aughts as Nick would call them, um they. <laughs> don't have that like over the top personality of the 90s or even the early 2000s where it's like See, I I disagree with this where I think that we're just too close to it right now but I think all the live stream stuff and all the culture yeah. shit like I think that in 10 years when this crew reunites for another scream in review like I think we're look back at this and be like that was a different time yes I, I just think that I think more about like the the fun the fun of stab you know in the third one parker posey's wearing courtney cox's outlandish hairstyle and green suit from the first scream and there's just like a a vibe you know there's a there's a vibe of the time that like the 2000s are a little bit more like bland maybe i'm thinking more of like pop culture fashion Mm. Uh, yeah no butterfly clips and no butterfly uh it, it just doesn't feel as silly in that sense to me um that that's kind of it. Oh, and I, I have to. I have a confession to make. I think I've watched the first two seasons of the Scream TV show, mm. uh, which I really hope Joey will check out now. Oh, I didn't <laughs> even know that that was a thing. But oh yeah, yeah. MTV show. <gasps> oh, Not I love MTV shows. 
And James? Uh, it was not good. Um, i just want to point out how much i love tim's enthusiasm shouting out scream four while holding a fidget spinner in his hand (laughs) i can't listen i can't get over it um i actually do think this movie is pretty fantastic um kind of like others said we'll see when we get to the end of the discussion where i'm gonna rank it but um it has so much going for it i do think that more than two or three certainly it does take what made Scream, the first Scream special and then think, how can we do that again? Um, and obviously we're going to get into the plot of it and that's a major element of it. Um, and I also do love the opening. The My only issue, and this is broadly across all of Scream 4, is that it does so many great um, like diversions and, 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 cha- and switches. What's that? Herrings? Well, not not even like mis like misdirections okay. or whatever, but just like in terms of like on the tropes and stuff. I think it it twists those things really well while also calling back to old ones. My only like dr- ongoing complaint of the movie is how it feels like a lot of the kills for me are anticlimactic. Like after you've already shown us what has transpired before, it seems a little anticlimactic that most people just get followed and then stabbed. You know, like, mm-hmm. like you would think like some, not that I want the door, yeah. even the first one has yeah. a garage door. And I know most of the people get stabbed in, in scream. That's why the movie is called stab. Um, but I do think that there's some, and we'll talk at like, especially the Allison Brie sequence in the parking lot. It's like, oh, it's kind of scary. And then she just gets stabbed by the door. Like, you know, it's like, there's mm-hmm. certain things. And I think maybe it's just how the moments play out that I was like, oh, I wish there was like, I wish they really said like, oh, you thought this was just going to be a stabbing. No way. Like this is going to be way worse. Yeah, I, I, if like, you know, she had gotten into her car and then he popped up in the back seat. Or even if it didn't even involve that, like it's the whole, it's all about misdirection, right? And like subverting things. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh my gosh, what is your greatest fear that like you're gonna step out of the car and get your ankles cut? Or like, what is Ooh. your greatest fear that I didn't have you it didn't as even... a fear, but I do now. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you ever watch I, did, I will say broadly, this is an issue with I think all of Scream as a franchise. I think Drew Barrymore's death in the first Scream is the best death in the entire thing. Totally. It's so scary. It's so intense. You're like in it. You're vibing with it. And I don't think it it ever in the entire franchise ever catches back up to it. So that's not just an issue of Scream 4, but it's just something I noticed as I was watching it again. But honestly, love watching it. Love it. I've seen this movie a bunch now. We always watch through all of them and it always kind of does this like weird like, oh, things are getting silly again. And then it always ends with Scream 4 and you're like, okay, that was a good movie. Like that wasn't like... The Scream 3 goof, goof Fest, which is also fun. It was like, all right, we're back to Scream. Big Scarpino. Wow. I'm, I'm shocked that you guys liked this movie as much as you did, because to me, this is, this, is, this is one that I'm like, I'm glad I watched it again. I hope I never have to watch this. I think wow. this by far is the worst Scream movie. Wow. And I think it's for a very, I think it's for the reason that none, I don't like any of the characters in this film. I don't like Sydney. I don't like Gail. I don't like Dewey. I don't, there's nothing fun for me in this flick. Um, except for, of course, Hayden, Hayden P's wardrobe choices that whoever decided to dress her, apparently she brought her own person in because they were like, you're going to dress like a teen, you know, like early, like 2010, 2011. She's like, I would like to dress like a 50 year old person who goes to, who goes to law school, who is going to law school right now. Um, I, I, I think that, voice. 
because she also has the voice of like a 50 year old chain smoker. Yeah, I mean, she's totally out of place in this. And I think she, I think actually she just kind of shows up everyone every time she's on screen. Mm -hmm. I just have a personal, I I like Hidden P. Uh, But yeah, I think, I think this movie, to Tim's point, like I like that they were like, let's find a new way to do this. I don't think it pushes hard enough into the remake status. I think they kind of shoehorn that stuff into that one scene. And the live streaming stuff, obviously, for the time was super cool. And now we're looking back on it, you're like, wow, he did really actually call that. That's pretty amazing. Like, it, it's not going to be Google Glasses. Obviously, everyone's got their phone live streaming and stuff like that. So that was really, really interesting uh, for the time. But I just keep coming back to the concept of Robbie, right, who is a character that every time he's on screen makes me want to turn the movie off. They pushed that character too far in into the annoying realm, whereas the original Randy was endearing. He was the dork, but he was also the person that was like, hey – these are like we we need to adhere to these rules or else we're not going to survive and so he was sort of the lifeline for the audience whereas robbie i just wanted to take a pot and like drop it onto his head the entire time and get him out of this movie charlie is blah right uh even the jill character uh, granted she's playing a red herring the entire time but she's not giving us much and then to or tim's all criticisms of sydney's they really come out here she does nothing in this movie there's no yeah. reason for her really to be in this movie other than to be this specter that's hanging over jill for her to live up to um i didn't have fun watching it i think that the dewey gale relationship which was kind of my you know the the only thing i could latch on to for the third one is just not really here um and then I mean, shout out to Wendy Peppercorn, but 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 she only exists in this movie to be a red herring for you to think, okay, she's the killer, and then she doesn't do much other than be super creepy and a very very bad actor. Love um, her. This she's horrible. She's so <laughs> yeah, she's all horrible. That is, pretty I'm bad person. Staring at her, trying to figure out who she was. Yeah, she played Wendy Peppercorn in the same lot. I had to look that up too. I was like, that looks really familiar. Um, like the movie is. Yeah, it's just not as I, – I don't think it it puts a twist on the series like I wanted it to. And uh, granted, again, I'm a sucker for movies that, within movies. I'm a sucker for how bad and how how campy Scream 3 was and seeing Courtney Cox with with Parker Posey next to her and having that dynamic. Um, I think this movie's better made than Scream 3. I think it, there's a lot more to it, like I think visually, and I think they put a little bit more effort into it than this. But I just – I found myself getting halfway through being like, I just don't care who the killer is on this one. And to James's point, I'm like, this is one of the the first times that I've, I've really been like, wow, they didn't, they don't care about the kills in this. There's one creative kill in my opinion, which is when uh, uh, the the woman from Sleepers gets stabbed through the mailbox, the mail slot, and I was like, oh, that was kind of creative, that was interesting. But you don't, you've ha- we spent all of five seconds with her, and we don't, we just like, I'm, I don't care, I don't care about any of this stuff. I uh, I actually like I I like Emma Roberts. As as the killer, and I like the motivation. I I with you though that Rory Culkin Charlie. I didn't really get that he was supposed to be also this kind of film geek and knows all the tropes and he's into it, but he's also this sociopath that is not self aware enough to know that he is this the psycho from the tropes like that. That and then him his his uh his motivation his motivation of like I pined for you for. Like his incel shit, where I'm like, we'll just ask her out, bro. <laughs> like I don't know. It's what like to tell four you. years. I waited four years. It's like, it's like should you? Ask? You didn't say shit. Yeah. She clearly <laughs> was into you. <laughs> yeah, I, I was kind of like, sorry, man. It's a no for me. Uh, you know, <laughs> 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 my dragon's den of uh, do I buy his or, or Shark Tank? Mm. <laughs> right, it works for both. It's okay. You can use the dragon's den. It's okay. <laughs> Love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, let's get to the plot. I can't wait to talk about this beginning scene. Oh, Christ. Uh, 
Please tell us the story. Just tell us the story. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Scream 4, I think. I don't know. This shit is... This is too self-aware, in my opinion. It's, it's so fun. good. But they it's fucking so start talking about Saw 4, and immediately I'm like, that the doesn't top. make sense time-wise. And no. then it's revealed that it's old, and it's like, this makes perfect sense, then, because this movie was from a couple of years before. So we start with Trudy and Sherry, who are just hanging out, talking about Saw, and then Trudy gets a prank call, and Sherry gets DM'd on Facebook by a psycho Channing Tatum. And I'm like... Is this movie going to be my favorite scream? Because they mentioned Channing Tatum. You'll have to wait and see. Uh, spoilers. I already said it's not. Trudy gets a DM saying, I dare you to open the door. So Sherry does it and no one's there. Not even Channing Tatum. And Trudy gets another text saying, I'm not outside. I'm right beside you. And then Ghostface just, <laughs> this is again, to my criticism last week. If you ever want to survive a, a scream series, just look to your left and right. Because Ghostface yeah, is yeah. always just a little bit out of your peripheral vision <laughs> on one of your sides. One uh, of the rules. Killer's always right behind you. Oh, God. Uh, of course, uh, my side dude, Ghostface, jumps out, kills Trudy, and then another Ghostface uh, kills Sherry. It turns out this is Stab 6. Anna Packwood and Kristen Bell, of all characters, are at home just hanging out, offering some biting commentary about recycled bullshit in sequels, and then Kristen Bell stabs Anna Paquin because uh, she's like, you just never shut up, and I am thoroughly confused. Guess what? That wasn't Stab 6. That was the beginning of Stab 7. This is a dome within a dome. Which is weird. That's probably sure I once said. Which is, hold on. Can we talk about this for a second? Because could you imagine going into the theaters to watch Stab 7? And then they're replaying the scene of Stab 6 that you've already seen. How does that make any sense? How do one, You show the whole thing again. It's not a surprise for you in the theater. I'm sitting in the theaters watching Stab 7, okay? Mm-hmm. And now they're showing me Stab 6. I know it's not Stab 6. Yeah. I know I'm, I know what I paid six. a ticket for. It's Stab yeah. 7. So what are you showing me? Of course, then we meet. Uh, we come up. We catch up with our real cast. Uh, the first two of which are Marty and Jenny. Jenny hears a noise upstairs. So she goes up to investigate. And it's just an open window. The phone rings. And Marty answers. Surprise. It's Ghostface. Uh, no, it's not. It's Jenny upstairs. She has a cool voice app. Uh, that she's using, uh, and she was like, it was like this, Joe was like, hello, Joey, did you order a Starbucks, or do I need to go get it myself? Oh, I'd be so stoked if you timed this to, like, Starbucks being delivered. That would have been really dope. Kevin, knock on the door. <laughs> Kevin's not no, here. Not, Kevin's not there. Uh, <laughs> of course, Marty gets stabbed randomly off screen, Jenny hears it downstairs, so she goes to investigate, and it turns out there's an app to sound like Ghostface, and I'm like, oh, that's going to play into this. It does not. They never bring it up again. Uh, Ghostface throws Marnie's dead body through the window, chases Jenny upstairs. Uh, he stabs her in the back and throws her down the back stairs to the garage. Uh, she op- she triggers the garage door opener, tries to crawl out, but then Ghostface drops the industrial strength garage yeah. door onto her back again. And we get the same sound effect that is basically a hy- hydraulic lift that can crush steel. Uh, but it doesn't really hurt her. It just drops onto her lower back. She's like, ow, and then keeps, yeah. dra- and then keeps <laughs> going, and he drags her back in and then raises that shiny blade, the shiniest of all blades, and as he brings it down on her. CG blade. Get- First ever CG blade in Scream. They didn't want to go with the, the rubber ones because Wes was like, no, 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 like people oh. are over that. We need this to, to shine more. So good eye, Nick, catching the shine. <laughs> hey, that thing was the uh, shine bright like a diamond. Uh, mm-hmm. Scream four, we're not even trying anymore. Was the subtitle on this one? Uh, mm-hmm. Allison Brie and Sydney arrive. I tried so hard, Nick. I will not accept this fucking slander. Another thing I just want to shout out is they for call how- this movie a remake. They're like, this is the remake, a reboot rules, and I was like, this is not a reboot. This is a fucking. Yes, it fourth. is. It's a it's a direct sequel to the third movie. 
It's yeah, but that's what a modern reboot is. Is like most of the time it is. Let's go back kind of to the beginning, but we're also doing new things. Like the Girl Meets World. That's a reboot, but it's also a sequel. That's just how that shit works. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? But I love how big Blair this House. cast is, and I love how the we all of the the actors and actresses are fantastic. But I love how they did such a good job of making you think that everyone could be the killer, and then just one by one systematically killing them off. The amount of kills in this movie is unreal like and people that they did flesh out as much as they need to and i am all in for the ride so no more slander nick scarpino okay allison brie and sydney arrive in woodsboro for a book signing on on the anniversary of the original killings uh dewey wakes up uh to the beverly hills cop theme and i'm like they're trying to get me <laughs> they're trying to get me honestly back on this. i a thousand percent believe that dewey cox is that his name mm-hmm. in the movie would dewey have dewey Riley. Cox is- Cox is walk hard. Oh. <laughs> there we go. That's where all the wires get crossed. Mm-hmm. Listen, this is the earliest we've ever done an in. I've ever done an interview. My coffee is not kicked in. Uh, would 100 percent believe that he that that is a motivation for Dewey becoming a police officer is him watching Beverly Hills Cop as a kid. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. amazing. Uh, he wakes up, of course, next to Gail. They are still together in this. Who wants to give a few more weeks? And he heads to work as the new sheriff as Hayden P speeds by him. Is she 10? Is she 40? That's the power of Hayden Pinitieri. She's a scene stealer. I mean, we just get to touch on it. She steals this scene. I honestly think the greatest shortcoming of this film is not doing more with her. Because it feels like, and there may have been no, she's probably written on the page way less interesting. But she appears in every time she's in this, you're like, you're just drawn to her. Yeah. Visually, she stands out amongst all the characters in this film. Performance-wise, she stands out amongst all the characters. That I wish that they had done. They had first day of shooting. They were like, "Oh shit, there's some." She's He's got something one. that no yeah. one she else should be the main has. Character, right? We need yeah. to figure out. Like, we don't have to make her the main character, but we have to figure out how to make her maybe more important than she is. She bit Kirby. Kirby. Her name is she's fucking got a Kirby. Name. Kirby spinoff. It reminds Kirby's me a her lot. First name. Like that's yeah. not like people are calling her last name. Like her last name is Reed. Her name's Kirby Reed. Yeah, that's badass. Yeah, I mean James, I'm right there with you, right? Like I think I think she just has a uh, a sort of charisma on camera that overshadows mm-hmm. everyone else, and it reminds me a lot of Courtney Cox from the first movie, where she shows up and you're like, oh, she's knocking this mm-hmm. out of the park. Yep, she's so fun to watch and and you love to hate her. Uh, whereas in this one, you're like, I just I wish they had given her more, and it's unfortunate because Emma Roberts' character has to be subdued because she is the killer. Mm-hmm. And so you don't get you don't get a lot out of her. And then the other the other character that plays Olivia is just fodder. She's gonna get killed in the first act, at least. Mm-hmm. I've said this for some time now that Florence Pugh is new Hayden P. Very much Ooh. in Hayden charisma and look. I I but can't why not both? Why can't not put them together? Put them together. Make the greatest movie you've know? ever seen. I hear they tried to do that and it blew up the camera. Oh, like, really? We just can't. They, yeah, we, we just... made Time Cop. They oh. like everyone always does <laughs> the amazing. like Margot Robbie graphic where it's like, here are all these actresses that look the same. I would make the Hayden P. Florence Pugh graphic. Yeah, yeah. That's if amazing. I had, energy, yeah. I had the energy and the will. <laughs> uh, they go over to pick up Olivia and uh, Emma Roberts, who plays Sydney's cousin Jill. Uh, and they make a uh, final destination reference here. And I, I hear, I just can hear myself hearing Tim freak out to that. Uh, I then love Jill, final destination. I know you do. Then Jill gets a call from Jenny's cell phone and it's Ghostface. What's your favorite scary movie, Joey? Did you get a 
Starbucks? It's like those questions don't go together. Uh, Olivia got a similar call from Marnie's phone. Uh, Dewey shows up on the scene, and it turns out he's the new sheriff. And Deputy Judy Hicks is kind of flirting with him, and it's inappropriate. Kind of flirting. She's she's very inappropriate. She she's like she's like, hey, I made you these things. You can I blow you? And he's like, yeah. I'm actually kind of married. And she's like, so you don't want to blow John? Like, it's so, you, just, so you don't want very, the lemon bars? Yeah, yeah very <laughs> inappropriate. <laughs> Uh, I do want some lemon squares, though. I will say that. Uh, they get a call, and they head over to the murder scene. Gail watches Sydney get interviewed about her new book, Out of Darkness. And it's especially tough for her because now she's trying to write fiction, uh, and she does not. She's got writer's block. She has no idea what she's supposed to write. Uh, and, Robbie and, and – I was going to say, real quick, sorry. We, nope. We've talked in the past how this series drifts further and further away from being able to identify with Sydney in any way, shape, or form. Like she kind of becomes unlikable. I think that she brought it back a little bit in screen three, but she's also has a much more reduced role. Reintroducing us to an older, wiser Sydney that wrote a book about her trials and tribulations where on the cover, she's like this, mm -hmm. like on a fence. I'm like, fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> I, it, it sucks so bad. And I, I hate her in this movie as i've hated what? her in all the movies but the the <laughs> end with with the the clear thing i'm like that was atrocious i like her fine it's I, it's it's just one of those things where it's like now we have the problem of too many characters and what i think sydney should be in this series or should have been at least in this movie was the gail character where she's trying to investigate and figure out what's going on but because we have gail and because courtney cox is Courtney Cox and does a great job playing this character. It's more fun to be on the adventure with her, sneaking around, adding, setting up these gigantic secret cameras that anyone <laughs> on the planet, like, is that's a camera. I can see yeah. it from one state over. But it's fun to watch her and it's fun to have her with that dynamic. So all Sydney gets relegated to is making tea. Yeah, maybe it would have been more fun if, like, now that Gail and Sydney have, like, kind of buried the hatchet. Buddy cop. Know, they it, yeah, yep. buddy, like Parker Posey and, and her and three, like exactly. buddy cop them, you know? That's what they should have done. But instead, she has to, I mean, granted, the, the, the plot kind of dictates that she has to be next to Jill. So it hits yeah. the end when Jill turns heel. But it, I just, I'm like, I just find still to like the, the Courtney Dewey dynamic. I'm like, that's, they're investigators, they're sleuths, you know? It's like, it's like the buddy cops. I don't know what Sydney's supposed to do. Sydney just kind of feels like the kind of person who if you're just hanging out and you make some sort of alf joke that may be slightly inappropriate she would say she would say that's inappropriate that's as inappropriate. opposed to laughing along with a really good alf joke can you, you know? at least do you have a good alf joke <laughs> can you tell us your alf joke <laughs> i don't even remember <laughs> it's not a joke you know it's not a joke i, <laughs> I remember what it is i, I remember told, what it is i told it. joey and Tim. <laughs> oh no <laughs> What was I, we didn't get the actual joke. We just got the setup for what happened. <laughs> no joke. I, oh. gave, I gave it, I gave it's it all to you. It's one line, and it made me laugh line, so hard last night when we were watching Major League. I love that this actually, <laughs> there actually is a joke. Oh, yeah. So I, I had just written in my joke document. You know. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Look into his eyes, at least, and say the joke. How are you? I remember what it is. Well, I... It was, you know, Alf be nothing in that house. <laughs> See, Sydney, not laughing. Sydney, no. Sydney go, that's not funny. Sydney's that's like, no, funny. Sydney is one of those people who's like, I've never watched Alf. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. Okay, well, you know what Alf is. Okay, you have context, Nev yeah. Campbell. You grew up in the 80s and 90s. Oh anyway, I digress. 
<laughs> that's it. Just by the way, was. we're disrespecting. I want. I want to point Sorry. out we're disrespecting Sydney, not Nev Campbell. I just said Nev Campbell. I don't. I mean to bring the actress oh, no. into this. No. Nev, mm-hmm. Nev well, down are, the clown for sure. Yeah. We are not disrespecting Alf. No. Yeah. And we're, no, <laughs> no. Let's make that extremely clear. Absolutely I do not. hope to reboot Alf someday. Oh my <laughs> god! That's for it, especially with comedy like that. Let's <laughs> a whole do episode devoted to it. <laughs> Alf needs. If Alf, he, Alf, Alf goes into heat. <laughs> you gotta oh stop. That makes it so much worse. The idea of Alf and Heat. All the throw pillows have to go. All the throw pillows have to go. I can barely contain myself. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, audio listeners, I'm so sorry. Thank you for fast forwarding through that whole thing. Before we get to the, the back to the plot, let me tell you about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Fall is always busy, but one thing that you can cut from your list is going to the grocery store, thanks to HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a huge variety with 50 menu and market items to choose from every single week. They've got vegetarian meals for people like Paula Coelho. They've got calorie smart meals for people like, well, should be me, and even extra special gourmet options for people like Kevin Coelho. There's something for everyone to enjoy with recipes designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. Uh, Plus, the fall harvest is officially off with HelloFresh. They're rolling out seasonal recipes like pumpkin cinnamon rolls mm, and friends giving ready sides. Gia's been making a whole bunch of stuff. There was the sausage penne. Oh my God. It was great. So fantastic. You can go to HelloFresh.com slash morning14 and use code morning14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. That's up to 14 free meals, including free shipping at HelloFresh.com slash morning14 with code morning14. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. And also shout out to me undies. It's fall, y'all. Replace that hydration station with pumpkin spice lattes and go out of your way to step on crunchy leaves because the coziest time of year has arrived. And I love being cozy with my me undies. I always am talking about. I'm wearing the me undies shirt right now. Of course, I got the lounge pants. Of course, I got the socks and would it be me undies without the undies themselves? No, it would not. They are the softest undies I've ever worn. I refuse to wear any other undies at this point. That's been the case for years, and it's never going to change. I simply love my me undies. Uh, you are not going to be able to stop lounging. There's so many different options. You've been warned. Here is your warning, everybody. Uh, they're available in sizes extra small through 4XL in a variety of classic colors, iconic prints. Me undies has your back and your butt all fall long. Me undies is offering 15% off and free shipping for first time purchasers and if you're not satisfied with any product for any reason they'll refund or exchange it no caveats no questions to get 15% off your first order free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee go to meundies.com slash morning that's meundies.com slash morning meundies.com slash morning <laughs> let's do it nick shout out to those sponsors that want to be so close to <laughs> yep. that moment in yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah they the know these baby they know mm-hmm. oh they know there's they know they've seen some of that uh robbie and charlie harass jill and the gang as they head into school robbie is shooting on his webcam and this is the first instance we get of robbie like going live to his blog and by the way if robbie had invented this technology back in 2011 where he could live stream from a headset uh to his blog he would be a billionaire by now yeah yeah because that shit, I remember yeah, in, you guys probably did this back in the day, but for, for the longest time, we, uh, uh, at IGN, I think it was like 2000, maybe 12, 13, we had these backpacks that we tried to live yes. stream with yes. on, on the show floor of E3. I and they were like, they looked like proton packs. They were so mm-hmm. fucking heavy. It was ridiculous. And they never worked. 
No. But this kid figured this out in 2011 with some with some Ray Bans and a fucking N64 camera. No. The, his little headpiece reminded me of in the 90s when Super Soakers were the the coolest thing in the world. Not to say they're not now, but like yeah. they were really cool in the 90s. There was the one I forget what it was called, but it was like glasses, and you could turn yep. one side back so you can get <laughs> motherfuckers that are behind you. Yep. You'd be like, yeah, you didn't see that coming. God, well, that shit was cool. The whole thing feels like in Wet Hot American Summer where there's that one kid that's broadcasting from the radio station, yeah. but then you mm-hmm. later see it wasn't plugged in. It's not plugged in. <laughs> I love it. It feels like, it's like he's going around. Like. And you're like, who's watching this? Yeah. Uh, let's see. They're shooting a show called Hall Pass. Uh, and then we meet, uh, we go inside and we meet Trevor. Who's you know what behind. we see inside, Nick? What do we see In inside? the hallway of the school. At around 18 minutes in this film, you can see a bust of Henry Winkler. I was going to say. The former principal the from ghost Scream of Henry 1. Winkler. That's amazing. <laughs> that is incredible. That I makes me oh, hate wow. this movie even more. This is uh, so funny. Trevor is just randomly hiding behind Jill's locker, and he tries to apologize for telling Jill he loved her and then going out with someone else, but she's not having it. Uh, Gail goes to visit Sydney at her book signing, but Dewey and the cops show up first uh, because they have a report of a stolen cell phone signal that they've tracked to that location. And when, of course, they open up Sydney's rental car, they find the cell phone along with blood from the murder scene and some posters of her new book. Uh, again, doing that amazing pose that that James was talking about earlier. Where it's like the Steve Jobs, like I'm thinking about revolutionizing everything. It, can we be certain that the killer was responsible for that and just not an just not a regular passerby who saw yeah. that and said, "I want to cover that thing in blood." I got to just cover that so much. <laughs> uh, let's see. News of Jenny and Marnie's killing hits the school. Is the it entire weird town. that she wrote a book in general? After she was so anti. Well, uh, she wrote it, but the book was about survivors and like and coping with trauma and stuff like that. It wasn't about true. the story. It was about like how because she gives that lecture and talks about how she's like, we have to be here for each other and stuff like that. That makes sense to me. She was also working on the hotline and all that stuff. She got to pay for her dad's cereal or whatever. It comes over and eats all the cereal <laughs> in their ranch. Well, apparently also she has to she has the full burden of taking care of her entire extended family, which we're going to introduce here because she has an aunt who where the fuck were you? <laughs> to, to, you know what I mean? Like two movies ago. Where were you in town when Sydney was like, I'm home alone. I have no one to go to. And it's like, what about Aunt Kate? What's mm-hmm. Aunt Kate doing? Also, and little Nick, baby Jill. I didn't want to bring this up during three because future spoilers. But, you know, the whole thing of like, where did Sydney's mom go between X and Y years? It's like nobody we went Kate? to her, her sister yeah. and said, like, what happened to your sister? You Let know, me tell you one thing right like, now. Try to keep a secret. Try to keep a secret. Tell my brother a secret and try to have him keep it from you. Matt Scarpino will like this. Oh, fuck. I'll tell you exactly where Nick was for two years. Heroin den, Afghanistan. Nick's just out there doing it. I don't know why I picked Afghanistan. Uh, of that. Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, they open and uh, let's see. Gail and Deputy Judy get into it because Dale wants Gail wants to be a part of the investigation because uh, she's like, I literally wrote the book on this. And Deputy Judy's like, they didn't give me anything to say. Um, but it's different now. Dewey is the sheriff and Gail isn't a reporter anymore. She goes, she's, uh, so Gail's like, you know what? I'll take this upon myself. I used to be cool. I'll go rogue. Then we meet Anthony Anderson who updates, uh, Dewey on the phone calls. Jill got earlier. So they interview her and her friends. Uh, Sydney thinks she should leave town, but she's, she's like, you can't leave town. You're a suspect. And Dewey says, stick around for 24 hours. We're going to give you a, a police surveillance. Sorry, stick around. We're going to give you a 24 hour police surveillance. She's like, yeah, fat lot of good. That's going to do one of them might get stabbed in the forehead and it's gruesome. Uh, <laughs> Allison Bree 
of course, over the moon that all these people are getting killed because it's great publicity for her book sales. Uh, and then she geeks out when she sees Gail, and then it, it just insults her, uh, like all young people do to their elders, because they just don't fucking get it, Tim. This scene was necessary for me because, like, it kind of uh, explained her relationship with uh, Sydney. Because I thought she just owned the bookstore. I thought she just ran the bookstore, oh. and I was like, "This kind of weird. Like, why are they, why is Allison Brie here?" And then this was like, "Oh, she's PR. Okay, that mm -hmm. makes that makes more sense." Uh, let's see, Trevor. Oh, let's see, Dewey and Sydney take a quiet moment to reconnect. When Sydney's aunt Maureen Prescott's sister, oh, with, um, excuse me, and we meet Sydney's aunt Maureen Prescott. Uh, let's see, Trevor sneaks in and he's creepy. Sydney, we talked about one thing when we meet the aunt. Yeah. She has the most Joker ass line of this entire movie where she was like, Oh, well, Maureen was my sister. I have scars too. And I'm just like, What oh. kind of villain origin yeah. storyline is this? Yeah. And I hate it. I absolutely hate it. It's very true. She's like, She's talking about knife scars, mom. <laughs> and and then Kate goes, oh, I'm sorry. I don't like this. I'm talking about emotional scars. My fucking sister died. Mm -hmm. Jill, who you weren't even born. Jill. You remember her. <laughs> you little Jill. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Jill. You know when like you know when you call your mom by her name and then she fucking she turns that back around and you're just like whatever Nick and you're like oh that hurts that is biting I don't like that at all. <laughs> uh, let's see Trevor uh, Sydney barges in and sees Trevor uh, who who is coming through the window. She's like wow that really reminds me of. Uh, a boy that I used to know who tried to kill me. And then she goes, lock your window, okay? And Jill's like, I'm the killer. I don't care. Uh, Sydney spots Deputy Judy sneaking around the shadows for way too long. Oh, my God. I thought something was wrong with our screen. So <laughs> me too. Trevor is a limp noodle. This guy is He's terrible. just not – doesn't deserve the skeet. He doesn't deserve type. to wear the unlaced boots of skeet already. No. no. He's, just he's, so we're not giving him the skeet award? He's not getting the skeet award? Oh, he's, heavens he's no. just so – so. Sorry, uh, sorry, Trevor, actor, as portrayed by Nico, Nico Tortorella. I mean, because we already got Jerry O'Connell, which is such a great anti-skeet. Yeah. Right? And yeah. this guy's supposed to be skeet reborn. I'm sorry. I'm afraid not. Yeah, and I don't blame yeah. the actor. I, bl mm -hmm. I blame the, the... Weaker character, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, uh, right? Don't blame the actor. Blame the character. Uh, Judy, of course, super creepy. Uh, she went to high school with Sydney, who has no recollection of her. And it's like, oh, I mean, there's like 15 people in this high school and half of them died. So I'm pretty sure she'd know her, but that's okay. Uh, Adam Brody is in this movie, too. He is so one of the fun. cops. Uh, and yeah. of course, Tim, I always will have a soft spot in my heart for Adam Brody because I fucking loved the OC back in the day. And if they ever bring that back with him as the dad, I'd watch it. Also, and he's more in a movie recently, called The Kid Detective, which, which is, is one of my so favorite good. movies of the last list. year. Amazing. Oh, if you haven't watched it, please Elise, watch that movie. You're going to freaking love it. You'll love it. It is. Just don't watch a trailer. Just watch the movie. Yeah. I, it's, it's been on my list forever. I didn't, I could, I didn't know if it was like going to be like too dark or not. But uh, It's very dark, yeah. but yeah. it's worth it. And it's got it's very dark humor. It's right up your alley. Okay, uh, I definitely recommend watching it. Don't just go in blind. You guys will both love it. Uh, on the uh, subject of Adam Brody, Anthony Anderson. I always love to see Anthony Anderson in everything. Mm -hmm. And his character's name, I didn't know this, is Anthony Perkins. Oh, that's interesting. They call him Anthony. Yeah. I remember hearing that. But, but that's cool. Anthony Perkins, psycho. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, that's yeah. cool. It's like, oh. It's all that <laughs> subtlety. <laughs> I was Loves a little bummed that we didn't get more yeah. from the two of them. Like, I thought yes. that we they were, for some reason, I thought they were going to be, like, the new Dewey. And Comic we were going to get... 
yeah, any sort of presence from them, but they're literally in like what two scenes, not even. This this kind of reminded me, and I guess we'll talk about it pretty soon. But uh, in Halloween, the Halloween remake with Danny McBride and his cop partner, are like they're like, you know what? Let's just give them a scene to be wacky together. And I'm like, this kind of is weird and stands out because you're mm-hmm. not actually devoting. You're relying on our relationship with Danny McBride right, to be yeah. able mm-hmm. to enjoy this. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. But let me There's, see. It. They know uh, James. They know everyone that's watched this movie. Huge Hot Rod fans. They get it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. They get it. <clears throat> also, with my disappointment with Adam Brody in this movie, like he had done Jennifer's body already, and like had kind of experience in the like weird horror like genre, and I feel like he could have really shined if he had another opportunity. I feel like they did that on purpose, though, where I like how he in the beginning of the movie was literally just in the background. Like you see him in yeah. a couple scenes before the scene where he's actually speaking for the first time. And I think that they were trying to do that to, like, make us think like, oh, he obviously must be the killer or must mm-hmm. like be involved in some way because he's a bigger deal than some of the other people. But this movie is so stacked with those type of red herrings that I, I think that it was a purposeful choice. Mm-hmm. It's at this point that I wrote, where is McDreamy? question mark and then i put i put a big underline like nick filling the answer here for yourself when it finally dawns on you that he is just crushing it over on gray's anatomy at this point and does not want anything to do He's with the scream series back at the ranch <laughs> uh, so the, also, the real story there actually nick is they were trying to get him back uh yeah. but he was shooting transformers at the time and so they worth it transformers, transformers yeah, three dark of the moon I forgot. Forgot he's the, he one that, he's the human that sided with the Decepticons. It was a whole thing. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, you could have literally yeah. quit. You could have put money on the line, and I would have been like, you're fucking with me. There's no way Patrick Dempsey was in Transformers, and you would have won that money, Tim. Mm-hmm. I would have bet $15 in a Starbucks card. And Anthony Anderson was it. the number one. Yeah, as a hacker. Oh, that's right. That's one of my favorite hacker. hacking right. scenes. <laughs> like, I'm just going to hack it, and it's, like, literally him dragging, like, squares to get, like, drawing a picture <laughs> in MS. It's like a... <laughs> Uh, let's see. We catch up. Olivia calls Kirby to check in, but she's too scared of the angel of death, which is what who they've now uh, deemed Sydney. Uh, so she goes to her own. She's like, I can't, I'm not going to come over there with you all in this full house. I'm scared of Sydney. I'm going to go to this empty house where no one's home. That's right next door to yours. Uh, Trevor calls Kirby to tell to talk to Jill, but it's not Trevor. It's Ghostface, and it, it uh, and everyone is on the phone, and it's very confusing. And she goes, "This isn't Trevor. How's the movie? Shot of the Dead." She goes, "How'd you know we were doing that?" Because I'm standing in the closet, and then of course Hayden P is like, "I'll be the adult here because I already dress and look like one, so I'm gonna go check this closet." And she opens it up, but no one's in there. But jokes on Kirby. He's like, "I never said it was your closet," and he jumps out of Olivia's closet and stabs her to death. While the two girls watch instead of calling the cops. Uh, Can we Sydney, just give this scene props? I, this I is fucking scream at goddamn yeah. best, I say this, this is a standout sequence for sure. Yeah, this feels like scream for sure. Uh, of course, Sydney barges in. And she's like, what are you doing? You're watching your friend get flayed over there. Uh, she runs over and tries to get the cops, but they are nowhere to be found. Uh, and then she runs up, of course, into the house by herself. And at this point, I have to imagine you'd have an open, like a, like a concealed weapons license if you were Sydney. I have to imagine right? somebody was like, you know what? I'm going to let you have as many guns on you as you would like because you've she been attacked. You get the pass. Yeah. I would just go nowhere in my entire life without a shotgun in my hand the entire time. They'd be like, Nick, you have to leave the shotgun outside of the Starbucks. And I'd be like, I just wrote a book called Out of Darkness. And it is about my trials and tribulations. I need you to read, <laughs> the, read it. And show me I some need you to read it. And then, I'm, and then give my fucking venti iced is what I'm going to tell you right now. 
Uh, let's see. She goes up into the house, and everyone gets attacked, and then Jill gets attacked, and she gets cut uh, on her arm. And you're like, oh, no, she can't be the person because she got cut, right? Because the first person to drop blood, you're like, clearly that can't be that person. Uh, let's see. The whole place is cut. Oh, yeah, we get this horrific scene where she goes up there, and we see Olivia, whose guts are spilled all, all over her. Yeah. Uh, and the whole place looks like she just exploded. <laughs> like, there's blood everywhere. Yeah. It's a lot of blood. Uh, Ghostface calls her. He says, "I want you to suffer." Oh, yeah, yeah. And then Jill comes in. Ghostface pops out. Slash her, and Sydney kicks his face and knocks him out. Uh, Trevor randomly pops back in to tend to Jill as the cops come back in, and she's like, well, "They're like, where is he at?" And then she's like, "He went back that way." And then they look for five seconds ago. There's no one there. We have to give up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, the small town law enforcement just not trying that hard. Dewey asks his deputies what happened, and they're like, "We chased after him and we lost him." And Dewey's like, "Did you think they were like we saw him earlier, so we went to chase after him?" And Dewey's like. You know you have a radio, right? Like you have this thing where like if you see someone skulking around a potential victim's house in the costume, call it in. Deputy Hicks will be here with your lemons bars and she'll just come in and start throwing them at people. Anyway, Gail well, recruits. Me, I will say I will say in defense of calling it in on the radio, we have seen that calling anything, calling the police, it's supposedly a small town, but apparently it takes 45 minutes to get anywhere. So like there's there is also a great sequence where <laughs> It happens, I think, three times in this movie where Dewey is just driving somewhere and then he gets a call and then he goes, whoa, and like does like a highway U-turn and goes back the other direction like three times and then never arrives to be useful. Yeah, <laughs> always so, five minutes so late. True. Uh, Gail thinks to recruit Robbie and Charlie to help her solve the murders. In exchange, Gail will get Sydney to visit their cinema club. And I don't know about you guys, but I was shocked when they go to the cinema club and there's more than two people sitting in that room. Oh my gosh. And they intro it as though this is cinema club first. They're like, welcome to the cinema club here. I'm like, yeah, let's get to business. I'm here every week. It's a cinema club. <laughs> it's like crazy. That's a, that's yeah. a time. Uh, Allison Brie wants Sydney to capitalize off of all of this. She says, you're a victim for life. So use it, embrace it. But Sydney tells her she's fired. Then Allison Brie takes the freight elevator up to the parking lot and gets a call from Ghostface for Sydney. She goes, may I take a message? He goes, you are the message, Joey. Uh, she tries to run, of course, gets trapped in the car for a second. It's quasi scary. And then she runs for the door. And when she does, when she goes to grab the door, Ghostface thought ahead. And was like, I'm going to disconnect the handle to the door. And I'm going to do that in between the time she, like, I don't, I don't know when he did it. Obviously, she left the elevator. I thought she left that door. But she's like, she pulls it, and it's comical. And she's like, oh, and then turns around, and he just jams the knife right through her stomach. And then kind of creepily, I will say, I like this shot because he kind of creepily stands there for a second as she dies. And I'm like, okay, that was a little scary. I'll give him that. Tim. Thank you, Nick. <laughs> uh, 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 Gail tells Dewey she's got a lead, and he goes, "Let me know when you're back on Team Gail." And he's like, "I'm a cop." Sydney joins the cinema club, and Robbie says, "One day everyone will be filming their lives and putting it up on the net." And I'm thinking to myself when I'm watching this in 2011, I hope that doesn't happen because that sounds like a living fucking nightmare. And that's where we are right now, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for watching live <laughs> Patreon. Members. Uh, they're surprised the killer isn't doing that. And this is one of those things where I'm like, I wish that this had played in more because we don't actually ever really see the footage of mm-hmm. the crimes. And it makes sense, right? Because the only, they'd be like, okay, it's fucking either Robbie or Charlie because there's only two people in this entire town that know how to live stream and like do all this stuff. Um, but I thought that was a really cool idea. And that could have been a cool device to show some of these. Similar to like, you know, I mean, this is a daft comparison. So obviously like I'm, I'm 
just throwing this out there because it's the first thing that popped in my mind. But how creepy was the scene in Dark Knight um, when Joker was like having like filming the guy and stuff like that? We could have had moments mm-hmm. like that in this, but instead we just kind of get a little bit of the cell phone footage that somehow gets hacked, and you're like, I don't. How does it? I guess that makes sense because Charlie would have had to log in, uh, but. I think they could have gone more with this idea. I like this idea, and I think it's at the central core of like what what's good about this movie. Uh, Charlie lays out the rules. He's like, we're not in a sequel, and we are not in a trilogy. We're in a remake, ladies and gentlemen, a reboot, if you will. And, you, uh, and to do a, a remake, you have to outdo the original. Also, everything needs to be the reverse of what it was before. And we do, in fact, get that because Jill being the Sydney character. I've always thought like Sydney should be the killer in one of these just for revenge. No one would ever know. But we get that in Jill, which is cool. Uh, then Robbie says, you have to. Uh, he says, <laughs> we get the horrible line in here where he's like, the only way to survive this it, really these days is to be gay. And everyone in the classroom is like, I don't think. I, don't I mean, think I think that's that actually anymore, that's it's really smart because that is like that's the case of like the meta narrative of reboots and stuff of how movies are made like those choices are made for a reason right and i but think there's that not it's it. true but i don't think this line aged very well because i don't think there's a gay character in this movie so i feel like i feel like if you were to make a parody out of this there'd be the one well, character in the back that's like i don't okay well, yeah you can't say play, like isn't he though well they they play when he gets he gets stabbed he's like oh, i'm gay and then and then and then it, like there's a pause and he goes he goes like i could be or something yeah. like there's, there's yeah. some it, I don't know if it's a verbalization, but there's something that indicates that he's just trying, trying to he's use trying to it do to get anything, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, it's not, I think it would be more impactful if he actually was like just hadn't come out and then Yeah, but I don't know that the movie necessarily um, wants him to go, I'm gay, and then get stabbed. Yeah, that would have been bad. Something to to your nick about Sydney being the killer. Could you imagine if if, if, if is Scream Five being styled? Scribe. Scribe. Um, if in Scribe, if if Sydney, it'll just be five cream. I, oh my oh, yeah. god! <laughs> if, uh, if Sydney is the killer, <laughs> that he gets that away guy. with it. Yes, that would be, amazing. be amazing. If, that if would at, be the, awesome. at the end of Scream Five, she d- she is she does not get caught, and then the reveal is that uh, that would be hype as fuck. I love yeah. that. Scary movie. Let's hope. Oh, did One it? Day? I don't. I was asleep for the end. I mean, like, scary what? movie. They're they're Dewey knockoff. Oh, right. Dewey. It was, right. it was, it was, that's like, Dewey, it was the usual suspect. Doofy yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, he he leaves that way. But if Great. she were to do that, she would have to kill Dewey and Gale, right? Like that's the only. I think at this point, Dewey and Gale could have a couple free ones too. Everyone kills someone. Just a couple of these little kids, these little Gen Zers who are just like, I'm too. I just can't. You know, they just say shit like that. Or like, I just. You guys are all caught up in this. I don't have any interest in this whatsoever. Like, I'm going to kill all of you kids because God. you're better than me. We all know it. Uh, Robbie says, let's see. Charlie tells Sydney and Gail about the biggest party in town, Stabathon. And then Charlie's like, but it's like, uh, you know, it's invite only. I can't really tell you where it is. And I'd be like, wait, why don't we tell the cops that and all of your parents? And then you can't go to Stabathon anymore. This doesn't make any sense that these kids get to get do this anyway, but it doesn't matter because Stabathon's cool and they throw it in an old barn. City tells Jill. I know that you don't like Rory Culkin in this and you don't like his character, but there's something about the like new wave of like filmy bro horror that like I feel like kind of appeared with the like as we got more Saw movies and um like just more of these series that feels like he like I don't know. I feel like in my high school and college years, like there was a group of like shitty 
annoying dudes that thought that they were like the lords of horror. <laughs> and I think maybe that's why he doesn't bother me as much because it just reminds me of that. Um, but I do feel like when you guys were talking about the like cinema club earlier, like there was a resurgence of like, this is now the we have taken it back. This is now the cool thing and it's not the nerdy thing anymore. And I think this came out maybe around that time. Yeah, I think you're right, Joey. Well, the I, the only reason I would say I would disagree with you. And by the way, I didn't I don't dislike Charlie's character. I just thought he was kind of blah. I hate Robbie's character. I don't think the character okay. is designed to like. And that is, to me, a flaw of this because he is the leader of this whole like group. And it makes me hate everything that's happening with this cinema club. And by the way, if this cinema club had happened in my high school, I would have been a part of it. I would have been like, this is awesome. But if Robbie were the leader, I'd be like, how do we stage a coup <laughs> against like, this kid? It's always uh, those kinds of peoples that lead the fun things that make them not fun. Yeah, but then they always end up resenting me because they have to do, you know, all the hard work and I just get to eat popcorn and make wisecracks. And they're like, God damn it. <laughs> the, the movie does touch on it a little bit. And that's what I like. But I, I again, this is my overall criticism is, like, oh, I wish you leaned more into that. Is that with Kirby? They do subvert, right? Like, they establish, like, no, no, she knows her shit. Like, she's in, like, you don't really think about it because she's played off as, like, one of the cool popular girls or whatever. But she's right. also in that club. Is she, like, though? Because know, he's like, like, wow, you got a great DVD collection, and it's, like, 15 DVDs. Well, <laughs> like my, yeah, I mean, you know, production <laughs> design. Uh, 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 <laughs> but, but like, I, I think, and like what, ma, what parents are like, look at this amazing living room I have, this amazing, like, early 10s like late odds mm. living room and they just have a row of dvds over the tv i'm like nah dude you got to do of course what the scarpinos had where you go to the little bar you open up the bottom hutch and we've just yeah. stuffed vhs mm. tapes in there and then my mom is like secretly i'm going to throw these disney vhs tapes out because these puffy fucking jackets just don't fit they throw off the the, the streamlinedness mm. of all the rest of the vhs's i'm like where's my lion king mom yeah. <laughs> yeah. anyway that just blew Tim's mind. Tim's like, what's a VHS tape? Uh, let's see. Kirby goes to Stabathon. Oh, sorry. We have a moment here where, where Sydney's like, listen, I know when you know when people say, I know how you feel, but they don't really know how you feel. I know how you feel about Livia, everyone dying and all that stuff. And they bond a little bit. And Sydney tells her that she focuses. She's like, how do you get through it all? She goes, well, I focus on the people, the rest of the people who are still alive that I care about. And the rest kind of tends to work out. And she's like, does it? You've been through hell. Kirby goes to Stabathon, which is held in an old barn. And it seems like a cool party. But it also like, Tim, did you see this and go, how long did that take to set up? I fucking love it, dude. I believe it. I love this barn. I love this projector setup. I love that they're just watching the stab movies. I love that it's the same shit that we saw from the other thing directed by Robert Rodriguez. Finally getting on-screen credit. Hell yeah. Elise <laughs> Willems from Funhouse. Okay, petition for when, when you know, COVID becomes less of a threat. The next kind of funny prom is also a kind of funny stabathon. Oh, I think oh, you're in a barn. <laughs> well, yeah, oh, it's in the barn. That's a great idea. <laughs> you might be secretly filmed. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you will be you will be filmed. Yeah, almost certainly yeah, yeah. But, uh, for sure that'd be yeah. so fun oh, i've always i've always wanted to we we always get to the end of the year and it's always a race to sort of like january but i always wanted to throw just a rocking halloween party like a big ass haunted house someplace where we we pay people just to scare the shit kind of scary Ooh, oh yes i like that a lot do it, i love it scare me too. oh yeah oh, gonna Joey, you're getting oh, scared <laughs> i think getting... we're getting way off topic but you've you've triggered something in my brain which is i think you do a thing you tell andy that like don't worry we don't worry you're not going to scare you we want you to like maestro the scares a la house on haunted hill 
except that then the whole thing is set up so that way that goes awry. Like the com- control room that he's supposed to be in is actually oh, it's the like Five Nights at Freddy's, for where all the scary <laughs> shit happens. And oh, then, and then, it. so basically, we all sacrifice being scared so that way Andy is the only participant who actually gets haunted the whole time. I'm 100 percent in this chat. Great. Be cool. Don't tell Andy. Great. Please just don't be tell cool. Me. I uh, did just Gail- send myself a note of kind of funny live Halloween party. I that yes. is a fucking nice. fantastic. <laughs> I want to do it so bad. <laughs> it's just going to be so good. And if I swear to God, if fucking any of you steal going as a shower like Daniel Russo from from Karate Kid, I will lose my shit on you. But I will you, also buy you a drink. That'll if be you amazing. go as a shower, I'll go as a skeleton and I'll beat you up in the alley behind the, behind the party. <laughs> Awesome. We should do that. It's a programmed time. So like Nick will be getting his ass kicked at seven o'clock and eight o'clock yeah, and nine yeah. o'clock uh, behind the dumpster out back. That'll be great. Uh, Gail you sneaks in. You want to go with sexy kittens? You've given up on that? No, because I burn me once, Joe. Shame on you. Burn me twice. Shame on me. Everyone said they're going to go with sexy kittens, Elise. And I show up as the only oh, sexy kitten at the party. Everyone said it. Uh, Gail sneaks into the party wearing a ghost face mask and does that and kind of starts dancing like Steve Buscemi from that one movie. It was like, hello, fellow students. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm cool. I'm hip. You know, like, uh-uh. Uh, and then she sets up a bunch of her patented secret cameras uh, as Robbie and Charlie introduce the drinking game. And this does actually sound like a fun drinking game. And he says, uh, who's ready to drink every time they remake Scream 1? And I say, I am. And they've done it four times now, so I drank four drinks last night. Uh, Gail gets back in her car, excited to start another chapter in her Woodsboro book series. She finally found her inspiration. It turns out she just needs people to get killed for her to write books. Uh, and she does that cool thing where she's like all of, the, all of her cameras are streaming to her laptop. She's got a little multicam there. But then slowly but surely, someone starts to turn the cameras to the ground. And it's like, oh, no, someone knows I'm here. What should I do? Wait for Dewey or should I just head back in? Gail gets a call from Dewey and they argue. So Gail heads back in to fix her equipment. Uh, Kirby flirts with Charlie a little bit. While Dewey pulls up outside, uh, he sees uh, Gail getting attacked on the monitors. Uh, this is a cool sequence. Again, again, they do have some creative ideas in here, and she's like, she's got one of her cameras, and it's face backward. He can see it, but he can't help her out because there, she's too far away, and she can't hear him, even though he does scream at some point, and she turns around. I'm like, did he hear her? That was weird. Uh, but it turns out at this point, Gail just has a sixth sense because <laughs> when you've been attacked this many times, you're like a fucking cat, man. Like, ah, what's happening? Uh, Gail and Ghostface tussle in the hay and Dewey pops in with his gun. Uh, but apparently he never learned to shoot because he shoots everything but Ghostface, mm-hmm. who then just looks down and stabs Gail in the shoulder and runs away. Here's here's what I think. Here's my rationale for this. We've seen Dewey hit Ghostface from like 100 yards in the chest like three times in Scream 3. Yeah. And we complained... Why don't you shoot the head? But this is what happens when you go for headshots. You're going to be less accurate. That's why they say always aim for the body, right? Aim for the center of mass, right? Mm -hmm. He was going for headshots. And I, you know, so I'm okay with that. You're going to be a little less accurate, but. Got to keep the logic. Before Gail passes out, she goes, I saw a webcam. He's recording the murders. This time he's making the movie. And I would have been like, are you sure you just didn't see webcam? Because this these kids live stream everything. And maybe they just wanted other kids to know, like, across the country how cool this party was. So they can grow mm-hmm. their brand. One day turn it into a YouTube channel, leave IGN, and just fucking live on easy street. Hands them out. Adam Brody and Anthony Anderson talk about the rules of cops getting killed in movies. And you're like, oh, here they come. And then Brody does a perimeter check and spots an open window. And he's like, huh, was that open before? So he radios back to Anthony. He's like, Anthony, are you there? And I'm like, is the character's name just Anthony Anderson? And then, no, it's Anthony Perkins. That was a good pull. I didn't realize that. But it always confuses me when the character's name is the same as the actor's name. And I'm like, it reminds me of like Marlon Brando where he just didn't want to work that hard. He's like, just call the character Marlon. 
You're like, all right, I guess we'll do that. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, he radios back to Anthony Anderson, who's missing. Uh, it's all funny until Ghostface shows up and stabs him. Uh, and then as he clears out, he stabs Anthony Anderson right in the forehead. And man, it's messed up. It's it's wet. Yeah, there's you already you bleed from the forehead. That's why wrestlers blade themselves, right? It's just the slightest cut, but. I think when you maybe go all the way through the skull into the yeah. brain, it's yeah. stumble forward too. Well, yeah. he throws two punches too. He yeah. gets it in his eyes and he throws two punches. <laughs> like Bruce Willis. <laughs> yeah, like, yes, what? Fuck Bruce Willis. Well, they had a conversation about how Bruce Willis never dies I, in I, movies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but what the fuck? Like this, that, like Screams had a couple of these like stumbly deaths where it's just like you, you should be dead. This is yeah. the most egregious where it's just like this motherfucker should have been dead. 30 seconds ago and like for him to go out saying fuck Bruce Willis it's like it yeah, yeah. goes back to what James was saying of just like this it felt out of this movie like that was a, a yeah. weird com- comedic line uh let's see Sydney rushes up to Jill's room uh, excuse me I'm sorry uh the TV uh, Sydney's aunt comes home with snacks and once again the phone rings uh, uh it's Ghostface says turn on the TV to channel 6 uh, she sees the news that Gail was stabbed and then he says friends count but it's family ties that cut deep and Sydney's like oh my god he's gonna kill Jill and she really freaks out at this point despite knowing the fact that all of them are potential targets uh and so she runs up to Jill's room but her niece has gone rogue she's like oh no where is she uh they run out the back and spot Ghostface so they run out front and spot Ghostface, who stabs Aunt Kate through the mail slot. So at this point, I think this might be the first time in this series that we're aware there's two killers, right? I don't think they've... That's up, a good up point, until, yeah. Until the end, yeah. usually they reveal there's two killers. But at this point, we see literally, like, they run directly through the house and run right into another killer. So you're like, oh, there's two killers. There's no possible yeah. way that other killer, even with the trickery of editing, made it all the way around. So we're like, okay, mm-hmm. there's two. Um, also, at this point, by the way, track everyone's phone. Just track yeah, all well, the phones. You know, I want to know how people made it around town because we, you know, the time it took Dewey to respond to that call and get over to Stabathon, it really, it's just it's very impressive how quickly the killers move about town and place. There, it's it's questionable. In fact, it's very true. Well, you have to imagine it'd be interesting to actually plot that. I'm sure they have. I'm sure they thought about that. Like. Because obviously Charlie must have been the killer who was there, right? Because Jill mm-hmm. left and Jill must have been. But then Charlie had to get it back over. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that is true. That's very That's weird. weird. Just Even the logistics. For a secret third killer to be revealed. Maybe. Ooh, That's what I thought this was going to do. But like, what the is logistics five going to do, man? Like, it's pretty interesting that like it is go- five will now be another 10 years plus. Since five is going to be. Here's my prediction for five. Murder on the Orient Express. Everyone's okay. the killer except for the person who's investigating. And he's like, oh, you know okay. what? I'll give you guys all a pass because the person you killed, not a good person. Like a classic think, clue mm-hmm. situation, you know? Exactly. I, I think the killer, I'm calling it right now in, in Five Cream. I think that <laughs> the killer is going to be Leather Weary, Cotton's younger brother. Wow. 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 Microfiber weird. Yeah. <laughs> Ultra suede. Uh, let's see. Uh, Sydney runs into. Okay. Uh, they run out the back, run out the front, and the ghost face, they close the door, and then Aunt Kate gets stabbed through the mail slot. And you're like, no, not Aunt Kate. I loved you in sneakers. Uh, Sydney runs into Deputy Judy, who radios the murder in, but she can't wait. She's like, I can't wait. I got to go after Jill. So she ghosts. Uh, Dewey tells Gail, no more on your own. From now on, it's you and me forever. And it's an endearing little moment. Uh, Robbie, Charlie, Kirby, and Jill hang out at Kirby's house. And at this point, I'm like, people are getting stabbed left and right. We got to just, where are the parents? Where is everyone's parents? Yeah. 
Why is there no parents in any of these houses? Are these people just that rich? They don't care about their kids. They're at Stabathon. I'd be like, where the fuck have you been? Everyone's dying. People are dying. Your kid, like your friend died. If like, if like one of my good friends died or my kid's good friends died, I'd be like, you and me, I'm getting you. We are go- we're getting the fuck out of this town. We're not staying in this town anymore until yeah. this shit's solved. They, they explain it kind of well in the first screen. Cause like, obviously Sid's mom's dead. Billy Loomis is, uh, you know, parents dead or gone and her dad is missing and then Stu's parents are out of town. Well, like, and, like one set all- of deadbeat parents for the rich kid makes sense, right? That's the trope. That's the stereotype. So Stu's parents like being out of town, like Stu reads as one of those characters who's like yeah. his parents mm-hmm. are rich. They don't give a shit about him. And that's why I mean, they even talk about that, too, where he's like a he's like a lackey because of that. Right. Always wanting people's uh, attention and stuff like that. But in this one, it's just like these kids, these are these kids houses. They live there. They pay the mortgage themselves. That's, <laughs> well, that makes sense. That's the era that we're in. Well, that's why Hayden's always in. A she blazer, looks like a 40s you know? divorcee. That's like, like she does. Like hey, she leaves a six period Joe, and then she has to go to that uh, to show the house. She's like, I'm showing a house today <laughs> at five o'clock. I got to get up. Uh, let's see. Kirby tells. Uh, let's see. Robbie uh, gets drunk and jealous that he's that his friends might score. So he. Oh no! Let me go back here. Uh, I missed a spot. They all go to Kirby's house. Uh, Kirby and, and Charlie get flirty until Trevor shows up and messes it all up. And he got he's like, I got a text from Jill to come, but she's like, I'm missing my phone. I didn't text you. And I'm like, oh, we can't prove either of this. Which one of you is the killer? And then Robbie gets drunk and kind of jealous that his friend might score, so he starts streaming it. And it's just a massive cock block on this one. And I'm like, I hope this kid gets killed because your boy Charlie's about to get some smooch smooch time with the girl he likes, yeah, and she yeah. likes him back. And if you're gonna be weird and shitty about that, bro, you gotta look inward. You gotta look inside yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirby tells Charlie to make a move and he's like, you could make a move too. And she's like, I, I just did. I just I made a move. I love this awkward tension between them. I think that they, they went a really good direction with Kirby's character here of like, mm-hmm. she, she likes this guy. <laughs> like it's, yeah. there's no weird shit going on. She just likes him. And like, I, I bought this. It felt genuine. This is why you don't date people 30 years. your junior. <laughs> they kiss a little bit but trevor interrupts because he can't find jill robbie gets a weird text uh a weird weird mixed signals on his camera and then uh he's like i don't know what's going on and finally figures it out and then Ghostface just thankfully stabs him to death but not before he tries to convince the killer that he's gay to hopefully help save his life which does not work and it's a weird moment and i'm like we didn't need this uh jill checked her text messages and there was no text from trevor and it's like oh my god is trevor the killer uh, and i'd be like let me see your phone jill let me see your phone Let's look. That's what I'd like to say. Uh, Sydney makes Jill hide under the bed. Excuse me. Sydney comes in and they're all chased upstairs by a ghost face. And then Sydney's like, hide under the bed, Jill. And then well, she takes her phone. Well, Sydney's, so they go out and she goes, she's like, it's too fi- high. Up. We'll, we'll die if we even attempt to go drop from such a great height, hide under the bed. And then, and then, like five minutes later, Sydney's like, "I'm out of here," and she just tr- drops off the drops side, drops the eight feet like, to she, the soft and grass And she just below. like hits the ground, doesn't even have to tuck and roll, and just like <laughs> she's good. <laughs> I know she says, "Oh, she says has a throwaway like ADR line where she's like, oh, it's second story." Yeah, yeah. Like, so we'll never survive what? <laughs> on the rocks below. Or <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> Not to oh, mention. How- how great would it be if she looked over the thing and it was just like fucking waves and rocks yeah, and it's yeah. like a 400 foot drop. Yeah. Sorry, um, Joe. What up? That, no, that Sydney came up to the door and literally somehow walked right past Robbie being dead because he shows up right behind her. Like, I don't really know how she got to the front door and he came up like bleeding yeah, and stabbed. Never look to the left. Just, you don't look to the right. Never look to the left or right. Always straight series. ahead. Like That's where the horse. danger is. 
Uh, let's see. Sydney does is like, oh, good job, Jill. Run, go. And it's like you're not fooling anyone. We know these these killers are extra. They they know what's going on here. Of course, uh, she has to drop down to the bottom. Whatever we talked about them. Um, she falls to the ground below, which literally like two feet below her. Uh, Kirby and I put Disney hide in the basement. I'm not quite sure. Oh, Sydney hide in the basement. Uh, <laughs> Charlie, while well, Charlie bangs on the glass, but she's like, don't answer it. He could be the killer. And Kirby has a moment here. She's like, I can't. I, she's really conflicted. She's like, you do have cool hair. And I did enjoy kissing you. But I didn't enjoy either of those things enough to die for you. So you have to stay outside because uh, his hands are all bloody. She's like, oh, no, you have bloody hands. Ghostface shows up and s- just slams his head against the glass. And then he duct takes him to a chair uh, just like the first scream. And you're like, wow. They did that very fast. That's one of those moments where you're like, how do you know how to turn the lights off? And then you're, what do you, can you see in the dark to duct tape them? And all that stuff. I don't know. It's a lot. A lot of this, Tim, you start thinking about like we've planned live events. We've planned things with a lot of moving pieces here and there. I just, I'm like, these kids would not plan all this stuff out this see, much. See, I it's disagree. It's just so well done. I, I think that they would have planned it. So that like these were planned events. It's not like just the circumstances that they had to deal with and come up with improv on the spot. Like I think that they planned that they were going to get into these situations so things were at least set up enough for them to i know but it's just well, they this talk is about a... the, like you can't get killed at the party if now it's, it has to move to the after party right yes, i've evolution. seen teenagers write entire essays on their cell phones <laughs> i don't know how they do it but yeah. it's their brains just works differently are they good and essays? they're working together that's like enough like if it if it was like tying up the boyfriend or whether i'd be like but they basically are like all right can you get my arm i'll get my arm yeah, <laughs> like, like that's what I want to see from that perspective. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, let's see. Ghostface uh, says, "Forget watching stab. You get to live it." And then he quizzes Kirby. On, uh, she does really well, actually, but fails in the second to last question and last chance. Name the remake of the movie in which the villain dot dot dot, and she just rattles off a bunch of names of uh, of movies. And I'm like, I wanted to know what that quiz question was because yeah, i probably could have gotten it this um, moment to me is, is what cemented that this is my number one they're okay. so aware it's they fucking nail it i love that she just names every damn horror reboot there is and the list just keeps going like you think the joke's gonna end and it just keeps fucking going they get it they get what they're doing and they fucking nailed it um let's I, see. I think this is also one of those moments where you're like wait i feel like kirby's the main character like she's the most competent, like she's the most yeah. confident and competent and like handles every situation kind of correctly, but you're also still emotionally invested in her. And again, I think some of that's the writing and I think a lot of it is the performance, but it is one of those things too. Tim, like you're saying, it's a great moment, but then the fact that it is that she isn't our vessel is like is like one that's of the funny. awkward things I think that this movie has. Or at the very least, give us the Dewey treatment, right? Movie's over. Sun's up. We see all the reporters. Oh my God! Someone's still alive, and it's Kirby. Kirby. And she's like, he's like, and then she just as she's being wheeled out, she hands Sydney her leather jacket and says, "Have this dry cleaned. I have a showing at four o'clock today. Yeah. I have to be at." <laughs> the Wes Craven did say that that she lives. Kirby does live this movie or survive this movie, even though we don't actually see it uh, in the in the script. There was a scene near the end where Kirby's revealed to have survived, but the scene was cut during production. And then in the DVD commentary, he was saying, like, she was still moving the, you, when you last see her. So okay, that's a game changer. Five cream. Maybe we're getting some Hayden P. Oh, Damn, yo. Maybe that's why she brought the short a hair back. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. We're on the same page. I like it. Oh, so good. the heavens, if only. 
Uh, meanwhile, Sydney heads upstairs to find Jill, but she's no longer underneath the bed. Kirby unties Charlie, who promptly stabs her for her efforts. And he says, Kirby, this is making a move. Crink. We get that fun sound effect of like a knife going through cabbage or something or whatever it is. Uh, Charlie grabs Sydney. Uh, but she breaks away just in time uh, to find another ghost face who stabs her in the belly and reveals herself to be Jill. And it's like, don't, don't, draw. They're going to blame it all on Trevor. You think you had a shitty boyfriend, Sydney? Here's one who fucks you, dumps you, and doesn't even make you famous. And that's what this whole movie is about. They want to be famous. She shoots Trevor in the dick and then in the head. And she says, I am not the girl you cheat on. I'm like, I guess not. Uh, in keeping with the remake theme, Trevor is this generation's Billy Loomis. Uh, what's Jill's mo- motivation? Well, you were always just so fucking special, Sydney. Now I'm the special one. Uh, and then they go, they start setting up the scene. I like the scene because they start setting up the moment where they're going to stab each other. But instead, here's another reversal. She just fucking kills Charlie. She's like, you're, <laughs> she's like, you know what the world loves more than anything else? A sole survivor. And he's like, no, mom and dad are going to be so mad at me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, no, nah, they didn't have that line in there, but it would be cool if they did. Uh, uh, she goes, I don't need friends. I need fans. This has never been about killing you. It's been about becoming you. How do you think people become famous these days? You don't have to accomplish anything. You just have to be fucked up or have some fucked up things happen to you. And then Jill stabs Sydney, uh, who goes down for the count. You're like, damn, she killed Sydney finally. Uh, and then she's like, okay, I got to make this look believable. So she untapes Trevor, uses his hand as a scratcher, rip out some of her hail. And this scene goes on. It's like fight club. I feel like she's trying to get a promo or a promotion or whatever at work. Like it's really long. It's a very long. It is a very long. Ridiculous. Scene. But I love it. I love how it just keeps building with more and more ridiculous shit of her fucking herself up. And I love the way the camera just kind of shows what is actually an insane set piece. The amount of bodies, the amount of weapons, the amount of just broken glass and shit. Mm-hmm. Like it is unlike anything we've seen in this franchise. I do think it serves a big character point of making her seem truly unhinged. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But the stuff that she chooses to like beat herself up is just like one. It's one again. If it were a scary movie, they would use all the same beats and add one where she rolled a bowling ball and then jumped in front of it and it took it in the crotch. Like that, it's like, like that's the only thing she didn't do, you know? It gets it gets to the point where she throws herself through the glass coffee table. And of course, this is the one slow-mo shot. And I ask you this, Tim. You 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 have a, a very deep libra- library knowledge of film has there ever been a moment where a character has fallen through a glass table that wasn't slow motion that's a very good question i don't think it's possible to shoot that either. without slow motion you need it's to be impossible. able to see yeah no. literally you go to shoot you're like i just want this normal guy so we're gonna knock this shot out and you get it back to post you're like how is it slow motion how does this shot at 200 frames per second it's just the power of the 1990s or early 2000s uh, glass table. Anyway, thoroughly exhausted. She collapsed next to Sydney, and they look at each other, and this, this scene's going to be mirrored later. Uh, Dewey and the police arrive on scene and, t- and take in the horror show. Jill, of course, as the sole survivor, is taken out on gurney amidst a storm of reporters and flashbulbs, and we kind of get a sense that she's getting what she wants. They're like, how does it feel to be the survivor? Yada, yada. And she's like, hey, follow me on Instagram. It's not a thing yet, but it will be. Dewey confronts Jill and tells her, at Sydney, or they go to the hospital. He's like, "You're gonna be okay." Yada yada. She's like, "It's so bad about Aunt Sydney." She's like, "Oh no, no, Sydney's uh, still alive." She's like, "Really?" He's like, "Yeah, she's hanging on by a thread, but she's not awake yet." He says she's hanging on by a thread, and she's well, not awake yet. I, but she also before that, she's like, "Oh, maybe Gail and I can write a book together." Write a book so together, right? Ma- we got matching wounds or whatever. Right. And Dewey, of course, being the crackpot sheriff, is like, "Cool." Oh. Maybe this you is, will one day. This is the your foster parents are dead moment. How <laughs> 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 How do they know we got matching wounds? <laughs> Such a dumb throwaway line. 
the first th- it's not suspicious dewey's not suspicious at all that the first thing she's saying after she survived this tragic incident yeah. is we should write a book about it it's like yeah, yeah. okay no, no yeah, your just mom's like, dead. what happened what happened to kirby where the fuck is kirby is she alive not asking about any of these people here's but the this- thing if yeah. she just opened a Roth IRA, I know she's planning for a future, but Roth IRA is probably going to be a better investment in her financial future than trying to murder everyone she knows in her whole life, get away with it so she can write a book, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. just something to consider. I will say this this is admittedly goofy as shit, and it's just like in a real world, none of this would happen this way. But I was on the edge of my seat when okay. when we see this whole situation and she's like waking up and she's like talking to Dewey. I'm like, oh my god! Like mm-hmm. he's gonna say something that's gonna reveal it. And she's gonna be like, holy shit, she's alive! That's insane. Mm-hmm. And then they do it, and I love it. I fucking love every moment of every single thing that happens in this scene, except for the clear bit. Besides that, this is fucking cinema perfection, everybody. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, let's let's play out this rest of the scene, right? So again, remember. Sydney in the next room, hanging on by a thread. Now, Joey, if I tell you I'm hanging, I'm hanging on by a thread. What do you expect to see? I if you saw to me, see you with like a net collar, maybe lots right. of wires and things covering, Tubes. and like nurses everywhere, everywhere. Someone, yeah, I don't. James. I expect you to be like on the edge, James. Well, I, don't I mean, I would say Nick hanging by hanging by a thread is Nick as we see him now. Fair enough. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I am wearing a beanie because I just I was just too just too tired to do my hair today. Beanie bros, let's go. Beanie bros. Uh, let's see. Jill, of course, waits for Dewey to leave and immediately beelines for Sydney's room. Uh, Dewey goes over to check on Gail, uh, and he says, uh, "She said she's like, how's how's Jill?" And he goes, "Oh, she's she's doing well. She's you know taking it all in stride. She wants to write a book with you one day because you guys have matching wounds." And then Gail goes. How does she know I have this wound? And then he immediately immediately cuts to him in his car making a (laughs) U-turn. But it's one of those things where it's, he's like, how did you get your car? Um, It's one of those things where it's like this. It's just not, obviously you needed like there to be the reveal moment. But in a world where everything is covered by news and we saw 30 news reporters outside of the barn being like, Gail Weathers and this Channel 6 news report. It's not beyond the the realm of believability that they would have reported she got stabbed in the right shoulder. So if I were Dewey, I'd be like, I don't know. Maybe she saw it on the fucking news. It wouldn't wouldn't dawn on me that she's the killer immediately, aside from the fact that she's literally the only one left standing, which I guess makes sense. I I think that's the thing is like, but Dewey has back to the perfect path of like literally every single person systematically taken out. It all leads to either Jill or our original main cast. I'm just saying as a reveal moment, this needed to be a little bit stronger for me. I love how this all plays out. And I think this is a fun, like different version of the the ending for a screen movie. But this is just that one moment where the second she said that, I was like, that's a weird fucking thing to say. And then I'm like, oh, that's going to be how Gail figures out that that Jill's the killer. And and it's going to set him on that little track. But whatever. I digress. I'm just saying for Dewey and in the screen franchise, there have been moments that were bigger red, like bigger red flags than this that people are like. I think you just imagined a killer in the theater, Sydney. <laughs> it's like, no, <laughs> motherfucker, he's in there. There's shit all over the place. Uh, anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, light bulb moment. Dewey's like, shit. Dewey, Jill goes to strangle Sydney, who uh, is like, listen, guys, I'm hang- I'm, I'm here hanging in. By- I'm, I'm hanging on by a thread. Except li- she's Lifehouse. 
I just have a couple stitches. I'm actually doing good enough to actually be able to get fight you back and gouge out your eyes. Oh. Uh, they fight and Jill, Jill throws her around like a rag doll and then waits in the closet uh, to hit Dua over the head with a, a bedpan and knocks him out. And then now Jill has the gun too. Ho, ho, ho. Uh, consider this an, alter, an, an alternate ending, she says. And then Gail shows up and Sydney passes out. And then Deputy Hicks shows up and tackles her to safety, only she's not really safe because she's like, I still have a gun, and I'm pointing it at Sydney, so throw the gun away, and Judy's like, okay, I'll do what you say, and Judy throws the gun away and then gets shot in the throws the, the gun! It's like, it, this is such a weird thing where, like, in any situation, there's the bed in front of him. She could have just put the gun down safely, like... I don't know. There's something about throwing a gun at somebody. Loaded, just really loaded. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's very funny. So then just the blocking of the sequence is, is great to me, right? Again, so you can't, if you showed this in a wide shot, you'd be like, this is the dumbest thing ever. But thankfully everything's shot in close-ups to, to have a little bit of suspense because we see Sydney, who was previously passed out, crawl all the way over to the defibrillator, get on her hands and knees and turn it on. With no with no sound whatsoever. And by the way, when you see a defibrillator in every other movie, it goes yeah. like powers up, nothing, right? And Gail's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Just like give me one final word with you. And 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 Jill's like, what's that word gonna be? And Gail says, clear. And Jill's like, clear? And Sydney pops up like a fucking jack of the box and goes, clear, and just shocks her brain. And you see the electricity like <laughs> yeah. Emperor Palpatine go through like, ah. Well, the, the, my favorite shot in the whole movie is a shot right after this where she hits the ground like a sack of potatoes. I don't, I don't know how they did it. I know that's definitely Emma Roberts' stunt double or whatever. But just watch, fall, try and imagine falling that way onto the ground. She hit Her whole body hits at the same time. And I don't know. It makes me laugh every time I I see it and then of course sydney says you forgot the first rule of remakes don't fuck with the original let's Yo. go but <laughs> just like every other movie that's come before jill ain't dead yet she grabs some glass and so sydney uh pulls a nice quick 180 and just pops her right in the chest through the heart jill of course falls to the ground uh judy is still alive by the way uh quote wear the vest save your chest i know you're like we didn't need this we didn't we don't care if judy's alive or not what we do care about is where's kirby Uh, it's important because she's back for scream for for five cream i'm I'm looking at the screen and marley shelton is back as deputy w judy hicks you're telling me that deputy judy hicks and and Kirby are the main characters in Five Cream. I am hundred oh, percent. I did I did find out something else interesting by looking at the cast list, but I'll talk about that later. Oh my god! Uh, last couple shots here. Of course, Sydney lays back down next to Jill, like Jill laid next to her, and whispers, "I don't know about you, but I feel a whole lot better." And I don't know what that's a callback to, but it's a really fucking creepy thing to say to your niece that you just killed. And then mm-hmm. the media outside reports about Jill Roberts being a hero right out of the movies, and that is the oh. end of Scream. Score, wow. score, him. What do we call it? Scream for him. Scream for him. It's scream for him. Thank you. Yeah. Elise. So just, I'm you... just looking at the cast and crew of Five Cream. And of course, you know, we got our Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquitter, Bat, Mar- Marley Shelton is back as Deputy Judy Hicks. Fuck Interesting. Yes. Melissa Barrera from uh, In the Heights is in this oh, one. Oh, okay. Jenna Ortega, uh, Jack Quaid. Jenna song? Ortega was from Jack Quaid is in it. What? What's that, Joey? I think uh the other girl is from You season two. She played like the oh. teenage girl that lived in Joe's apartment complex. She was really great. Well, something I'm I'm noticing here is there are two characters with the last name Meeks hyphen Martin. And mm. if you'll recall, Randy is 
named Randy Meeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Is Randy Meeks. alive? Maybe it's I his sister's so. kids. Maybe it's the sister's kids. I think, think you're something. spoiling this movie. <laughs> 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 But I'm not seeing any Hayden. Yeah, that would have to be a surprise. I feel imagine the hospital scene. Sydney is almost near dead, and then and then Kirby, fresh pulling herself out from she was brushed at the hospital. Kirby revealed to be alive. Some sort of insider movie knowledge that allowed her to piece the things together. That would be, and then we set Kirby up. Awesome. Yeah. God. Can't Elise, wait. can you hit us off with a little haiku in review? Seven syllables in the middle, five for the first and last line. If you're not poetic, no need to fret it. Haikus don't have to rhyme. Haiku in review. Haiku in review. Nailed it. You nailed it. Love it so much. You can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny to write your review in haiku form. Uh, okay, Soda wrote in and said, kind of a neat twist. So now the next step must be. Scream Five does TikTok. Mm, maybe TikTok. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mike Ellis for Lazy says it's a horror film. People live, people die. You'd better start running. It's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. And then Joe Mertens comes in saying, "Less campy for sure. It's quite modern. Ten years on, Kirby is best girl." Yeah. Hey, man. Shout out to Kirby, man. The curb. Kirby. Mm-hmm. Kirby. And now let's do a little ragu bagu. Ragu. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Rad Guys Talk Bad Guys here for Scream in Review. Uh, right now, I believe we have number one, Billy, Stu, and Peer Pressure. Number two, Aunt Jackie and Mickey and Revenge. And number three, Roman. Where do we want to put Jill, Charlie, and I'll just say social media, just the pressures of social media and becoming an influencer? Mm-hmm. I say number one, and I might not win, but I'm just going to make my case here. I think that Jill was the best surprise killer, and I thought it was well built up. I think that her motivations make a lot of sense, and I think that it plays well with the original cast that we know and love so much. And I think that uh, having the other guy be a part of it and kind of be this this Randy-like character, I don't think that they nailed entirely, but I liked them working as a team. Like Nick said, I liked that we knew there was two killers from the beginning, and they completely played with our expectations as we went through it in terms of who it might be. And this one had the most red herrings where I was like interested in the potential of it being them and, and the believability of it all. So by the time it was Jill at the end, I was like, eh, you earned that, and I'm in for it. I would disagree i think that the the reveal of billy and stew and like that was so original and so amazing back in the day that it had it had impact in this one i'm like you're gonna tell me that jill and charlie were throwing people around and and pushing people through windows and doing all that shit it's not it was not that when the reveal of this original i was like oh, it just felt it just felt flat for me I don't I don't like the idea. I think it's I think it's treading on well-worn territory with them trying to become famous uh, or being part of the media buzz because they want to be killers. I think that's kind of it's too similar to Billy and Stu and their motivations for wanting to do all this stuff. It just yeah, this one didn't work for me. I don't I'll, think it's too similar to Billy and Stu because Billy just wanted revenge for his mom and Stu is just like, well, Billy's my boy, right? Yeah, I would probably put this under Billy and Stu. I still think that their dynamic and like, 
I like that when you watch it, you can see them like kind of trying to figure out how to do this and that it was less calculated. And that feels a little bit more authentic that they don't have this like big master plan. And it's just like these two high school kids like trying to figure out how to do this. Um, but so I would probably put them at number two right underneath Billy and Stu. I, I feel the same as Joey. I think I think this would be my number two because I think I think it's a really good reveal. I think it's an oh shit reveal. And the first time I saw it, I was like, oh shit, like, oh, that's great. And it was like, that's a fun thing um, because I think it is really hard to have predicted it, but not like in screen three where because who knows because it was just a crap shoot. it was a roll of the yeah. dice they had four endings or whatever like, yeah scream, i mean so, scream three was terrible that could have been anyone so, you're like whatever <laughs> you know you don't really care but i do okay. think that the reason this one pays off so well is because you're looking at it through the lens of the first scream right and you're like oh she's the new sydney she's the new Sydney. like the movie is constantly telling you she's the new sydney kind of you know and and, and then the fact that she's doing it i think is a really i also think it's a shame we talked about this. I think that Emma Roberts shines as soon as she gets to take off the mask and reveal. And for the rest of the yeah. movie, she's just like exists. And it's a shame that she couldn't have some sort of other cares. We were, you know, obviously drawn to Kirby more, but like she's really great once she's revealed. And you're like, oh, shit, Emma Roberts. And we've seen her in American Horror Story. You know, this weird period of trajectory where it felt like Emma, Rom Emma Roberts was going to be the new anti-Scream Queen. Mm -hmm. with yeah. scream american horror story and then scream queens mm -hmm. which i really not, liked i liked it too uh she's not the traditional final girl in any sense but you're like okay but then it, cause she, her career seems to have taken a pivot you mm -hmm. know but uh yeah, she did little italy and <laughs> oh yeah everything. <laughs> <laughs> i i think i'm kind of torn because what what gets me is uh is accomplice motivation in this i feel like mickey in to his whole thing just being I'm a psychopath she found over the internet is kind of weak and I do say same with Robbie I feel like Robbie Charlie. or Charlie Charlie. mm -hmm. Charlie's uh incel bullshit of well she ignored me and it's like dude did you even try like and and that's your I, I that's weak for me too it seemed like he perceived that she was going to yeah, it, like but it, rebuff him and didn't actually, I, and he just lived in that scenario. There should, here's what here's okay. We're, I hate rewriting movies because it's so easy to do after the fact. But I think there would have been a scene. There could have been a scene where Kirby's interested in him, and then he's like, "I can't go through with it." And then mm. that is what is. And then Jill's like, "Oh." well that's okay i understand like we can figure this out and then kills both of them or something like that would be like a bigger moment where you're like oh, okay he like yeah had, he had this like unrequited yeah. love but then it actually paid off at the worst possible time and now he's second guessing all these actions and he's not sure how he's gonna recover and actually so give this one third spot and give mm -hmm. billy loom keep billy loomis's mom at two because i feel the whole motivation of you ruin my your mom ruin my family is yeah, I think the, the thing that well, proves more fun, but the, the other thing that's weird to me, though, is like thinking about it. Right. Charlie didn't read as Charlie read to me as like a classic cinephile guy. Robbie, who was live streaming everything, his motivations, like I think he got it more. So I was always kind of like thinking about him like it's weird that he wasn't the accomplice because he was the one that was like 
living on that next level. It never really occurred to me. Like every time Charlie talked about Hall Pass, he didn't. He wasn't like, "This is the greatest show ever." It kind of read like, "Oh my god, my fucking friend's doing this thing again," and I gotta mm-hmm. kind of, I just, he's just doing it, and we'll just when he's done, we'll we'll go about it, right? He kind of got annoyed with him a little bit. So it was one of those things where it's like, would Charlie have really bought into this idea of like both of them being famous? Robbie would have. And I get that they wanted that scene with Kirby because that's a it's a great scene where he's like, no, this is making you know he stabs her. It's like, oh my god, he was the killer the whole time. But I don't know. It's just one of those things where like, I I feel like we're we're we're, we're we've reached the bottom of the barrel for why people could be motivated to kill people in the Scream franchise with these. You see, for me, Jill works, and I get that the Charlie doesn't work as much. But I think when you're comparing it to the other ones, I think that that's kind of just like symptomatic of doing it again and again and yeah again. that's probably and fair do, that's that's a I fair do like billy's I, I do like billy's mom but they ha- they still have to do the thing where they're like you lost a hundred pounds and got surgery or you know <laughs> yeah. like, like they still have to, and it happened to find work. this guy on the internet yeah yeah <laughs> fair point all right so who thinks that uh uh jill and charlie are better than roman from scream three raise your hand i would agree who thinks uh, their motivations and their stronger bad guys and killers more than Aunt Jackie and Mickey from Scream 2? I'm actually inclined to raise my hand on this one, too. Uh, and then who thinks they're better than Billy and Stu from the original Scream? Just Tim. So we're going to put Jill and Charlie at number two from Scream 4. Now it is time to rank the Scream movies. Currently, number one is Scream 1, number two is Scream 3, and number three is Scream 2. Like I said earlier, I would put it at number one. I do think it's very, very close. And I, I know that that's blasphemy. I just think that at the end of the day, for me, I enjoyed this movie so much. And I think that there's it's very hard to to Nick's point that he always makes of like the original has that special X factor, right? Like the, it, it is the first one. And it's like lighting it's in a bottle. Set, it's lightning in the bottle and it set the tone. It, it is what it is. And everything else is just an iteration of it. I think this screen four is just as good of an iteration as it possibly can be uh, for what it is attempting to do with the the reboot stuff of just like you just said, Nick, of like, we kind of expect this. So like the, we, there has to be twists on twists on twists when it comes to the murders and the accomplices and all that stuff. And I think that they really did the best job they possibly could have. Where y'all Joey. at? Joey. Um, so for me, I think this is a fight for second place between Scream 4 and Scream 3. Mm. Um, I think one is like a little bit untouchable because I think it's so good and it's so per- like between the opening with Drew Barrymore, I think it's the most, the strongest Sydney story that we're ever going to get in this franchise. Uh, the Billy, the, like the killer reveal at the end, the, I think it has some of the best kills in the franchise probably. Um, my debate between scream four and scream three for number two is that um my problem with scream four i guess is that we don't get enough of the main characters from the other from the the franchise like dewey is such like a whisper of a character i feel like in this um Mm. and i think it's just because like there's so many characters that like we also had to introduce a bunch of new characters too which is yeah like everybody's role just gets diluted a little Mm. bit um i and i'm like i'm a sucker for camp and so that's why i think that i love screen three as much as i do you have parker posey like all of the characters meeting the people that they're playing and like all of the meta movie within a movie stuff i think is really really fun i think this is a pretty good reboot but i think i do like scream three better so i'm gonna put this at number three 
See, I'm firmly in the Joey camp on this one. Um, I appreciate a lot of the aspects of this movie, and in, and at the end of the day, like they're they're these are all fun to watch, right? I'm just yeah. I'm kind of splitting hairs. I think I was kind of a little bit more negative at the beginning of this than 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 I really am because they're they're all silly movies, and they and and the thing I respect a lot about them is they're self aware. But what I like about Scream Three is it brings self awareness to such a different level than any other movie that I've ever seen, and I'm also. I, I, I'm going to put Scream 3 above this um, just because I'm, I'm just a sucker for a movie within a movie. And that, I know that's not really an excuse or a, re- a reason that speaks to the merits of another movie. But I had so much fun rewatching Scream 3 um, and seeing all those old characters kind of a blast in the past. And I just think Scream 1 is, is a game changer. It is one of those movies that like revitalized an entire genre because it was so clever. And it's unfortunate that none of these other movies could come anywhere close to that. But like, how do you do that? Right. It's the difference between Ghostbusters one and Ghostbusters two, where we talk about that and that, in that review series where it's like, how do you remake Ghostbusters? It's just not, it, it's all of the things came together for that perfect, that, that perfect storm of a, of a great movie. So I would say that my ranking would go scream one, scream three, scream four, scream two. Real quick, you said something that reminded me of something I loved in this one is in Scream 1. Like I think Scream 1 and 4 are tied to me as being the most well-written as just movies. And I think that they just they equally work on that front for me. I love in Scream 1 the the rules that Randy sets up. And I the, think the most brilliant moment of that movie, besides just anything Matthew Lillard, Lillard does, is the fact that they're at the party watching Halloween and like the Halloween movie sounds are affecting like what's happening love it. at the party. And this movie does that as well, but they're watching Stab like at the party, like Stab's playing yeah. and like that. And that's so fucking cool. Like I love that. That's how meta this one is. That is great. <laughs> Go for it, Elise. Where, where are you at? I mean, Scream 4 is, is on paper a and and in practice a better film it is a better film however i'm also in the screen three camp that like i love screen three too i I just it's i'm i mean my alignment is the same as nick's like it's it's a one three four two and joey and joey is that your alignment still joey is one yeah which is like bonkers to me that i'm putting the jerry o'connell movie last because he just makes <laughs> so many different parts of that movie well but this, i this think just like ranking children i don't like it because i like them all yeah within very small margins yeah. i feel yeah. like yeah um okay. i acknowledge all of you guys and i do think the camp is fun i think that scream 4 is ultimately a better and smarter movie than S- scream 3 like I feel like Scream 3 is the kind of thing where you enjoy it, but you're like, it almost feels like it was near accidental. Like <laughs> one just slight <laughs> titch in a different degree and it would be an unwatchable thing. Um, and it isn't, it's okay. great. But I feel like Scream 4 was made with an intention and and I, for me, I don't think that you can surpass Scream 1 because it is the reason these exist, right? Like you can't, it's just it is the it is the beginning and even though it was acknowledging so many other other things before it it stands so tall on its own two legs that it it for me is you know untouchable but i think this out of the rest of the ones that came after truly understood what scream one did and tried to do it again i think it missed the mark a couple times but i think ultimately it was extremely well made and yeah scream three and scream one is like what do you like more uh, like naked gun or uh, 
some sort of actual hard boiled oh, like, like lethal uh, weapon or naked gun. Even yeah. those are maybe too close, but like, but yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, could you imagine if you watched Scream One, didn't watch Two, and then went straight to Three? It's it's a wild ride. It's wild. But so for that reason, I'm gonna go Scream, Scream Four, Scream Three, and then Scream Two. So that means that because Elise, Joey, and Nick all have the other ranking, the current rankings now are. Number one, Scream 1. Number two, Scream 3. Number three, Scream 4. And number four, Scream 2. Where will Five Cream rank? We'll have to find out in January 2022. I can't wait for that. And I hope, I hope that Hayden P makes a surprise appearance. That's going to be the best. The curb stomp. You got to love it. James and Lise, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you? Thank you, guys. Uh, you can find us on social media at James Willems and Elise Willems. Um, Funhouse and Rooster Teeth every day. Making in, content every the day. New season of Last Laugh. I wrote a children's novel, Night in Halloween House. If you're it's in the first Halloween season, it's, it's a season. A uh, little, little scare. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, that's, that's about it. That's about it. That's about I it. love it. I love it. And they're going to be returning for Halloween in review coming in just a few short weeks. We're going to be doing the original Halloween, Halloween 2018, and then the brand new Halloween Kills. Very excited about that and seeing Kyle Richards reprise her role. But until next time, I love you all. Goodbye.